okay. You know, if you disagree with me today, or you disagree with Austin, um, man, I hope that we can still be friends and we can talk about this, and, and we might be wrong. You know, we, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, but, but wherever you start from, uh, we're glad you're here. You're welcome here. Uh, there's a place for you in the kingdom of God because of Jesus, and that doesn't change no matter what. So I just thought we could get that out of the way. Um, yeah, that's yeah. good. Um, let's get to, let's go ahead. I just want to read you guys some of the questions that we got. Your exact words uh, that, that you guys texted us, and this is what we'll be talking about today. Um, some of you texted in, what do you do when you're going to be considered homophobic? If you're in a situation where you might be considered homophobic, what are you supposed to do? Um, how do I treat LGBTQ people when I know it goes against what I believe? Um, and lastly, just what does the Bible say about LGBT? Uh, Q issues, um, just in general. Um, and so we got lots of variations of those, but those are some of the exact texts that we got from people. Um, and so that's what we'll, we'll be going through today. Yep. Let's do it. Yeah. All right. So we're not going to be the only ones uncomfortable today. I'm going to get you guys involved in this too. So um, right now in your seat, I'm not going to have you raise your hand or anything. I just want you to think about this and I want you to actually truly answer this for yourself in your mind. Don't like just think about it but not come with an answer. I want you to answer it as if you were the one on stage having to give an answer to this question right now, okay? I think this is, this is probably one of the most basic starting block issues. We have to get this right before we can get anything else right in this, in this topic, okay? And it's, it's this, okay? What is your answer to the question if somebody came up to you and asked you, is it possible to be a gay Christian? Is it possible to be a gay Christian? I'm gonna give you a second. Answer that. You have an answer? Some of you look at me like you really wish you were somewhere else right now. All right. Um, <laughs> okay, that's the question. We're going to answer it. Yeah. So, Austin, go ahead. So, Wyatt, <laughs> is it possible to be a gay Christian? <laughs> you um, answer. Okay, I am going to answer it. But before we do, uh, this is kind of a trick question, because we have to define our, our terms here a little bit. And just so we're on the same page, I know that some of you are, are 12th graders here. You've been thinking about this. You've been here for a long time. Some of you are 6th graders, and, and you're like, what the heck is going on at church today? Um, so here's, like, what is LGBT? Just so, we're, just so we can use the same vocabulary, let's put it on the screen right now. Here's, and by the way, there's more than one definition of these words, and I don't claim to be an expert, but the best that I could do to define these for us are here. So LGBT is an acronym. Uh, there are more letters that you would hear added onto this, and we're just going to stick to these four uh, for the purpose of this morning. But it means lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender. And the best I could do to define these terms for us, lesbian uh, refers to a woman who's attracted to another woman. Uh, a gay man is a man who's attracted to another man. Bisexual is a man or a woman who's attracted to both men and women. And transgender would be a man or a woman who identifies as a different gender than the sex they were assigned at birth. Okay? So, one thing that might stick out to you is this morning, we're going to do the best we can to use terms the way that they would be used outside this building, at school or in culture or whatever. Like some of you, I may have even flinched when you heard me say the term sex assigned at birth. You're like, you're not supposed to say that, you know, you're supposed to say just sex, God, God did it, you know. Um, and fair enough, uh, but we're going to use terms the way that they're going to be used uh, because you're going to encounter this in conversations at school this way. So this is what LGBT means. Um, and so when we, when we use these terms, we're referring to people who identify in one of these ways. Now, one thing to notice, some of these are um, identities, some of these are attractions, uh, and, and then um, 
Some of these are how you view yourself, I should say, and some of these are how you view others. So things like gay, lesbian, bisexual are how you are attracted to others. Uh, something like transgender is how you view yourself, uh, how, you, how you think of your own identity. And so there's a lot of variance in what this, these kind of terms mean. We're kind of lumping them together, and I'm sorry, but you know, we only have this one message. So. Yeah, so I think even with that, I think there's still some confusion, and I think you guys could agree with this. There's a little bit of confusion about what we mean when we say someone is gay. So what does it mean when we say someone is gay? Does that mean that they are living a gay lifestyle? Um, does it mean that they support gay marriage? Or what, what exactly do we mean when we say that? We'll be using that term a lot yeah. today. Uh, so what do you mean? Okay, this is huge. Pay attention right now, you have to get this or else you're gonna miss the entire rest of the message, okay? When we use the word gay, when we say that someone is gay, identifies as gay, something like that, um, what we're saying is that that person has, uh, has desires and attractions for the same sex, okay? So it does not necessarily mean that that person is pursuing a homosexual lifestyle. It doesn't mean that they support gay marriage. It doesn't mean that they're pursuing a homosexual relationship of any kind. It simply means that that person identifies as somebody who is attracted to the same sex. Uh, and, and again, you could argue with me on how to use these words, but this is the way that this word is going to get used in culture. Uh, it doesn't mean uh, that you're pursuing a relationship. In fact, if you hear uh, people who are gay rights activists or anything like that, they talk about what it means to be gay, uh, it's a lifelong thing. Like, you'll say, you know, I came out at a certain point, but I've always been gay. It's a, it's a part of your identity that you're attracted to the people of the same sex. And I think that there's a lot of variance in how that happens and what it looks like and what goes into it, all that kind of stuff. But when we use the word gay, we're going to be using it in a, in a way that doesn't mean lifestyle, it means identity. It means how, you, uh, how you're attracted to other people, who you're attracted to, what desires you have, that kind of stuff. So... Cool. Keep that in mind. Okay. So now we've got some definitions, and you still haven't answered the question, can you be a gay Christian? Uh, so I would like to hear an answer to that question, Wyatt. Can you be a gay Christian? Yes. Short answer. So um, I don't know where you're at on this. Maybe this is, like, totally obvious to you. Maybe, you know, you're excited about this. I don't know. Maybe you think that I'm going to get fired tomorrow. I'm not sure what you think. But uh, it might surprise you. I mean... But yes, you can be a gay Christian. Now, let's, let's just think back to the definition we just used, okay? It's pretty important. Can you be a Christian who has same-sex desires? Can you be a Christian who is attracted to the same sex? Yes, of course you can. Uh, and, and honestly, like, this is a gospel issue. I mean, for all of us, we have, to, we have to get this issue right because it has to do with the very nature of the gospel of Jesus. What does it mean... Okay, for us to, to be sinners, what does it mean to, be, to repent of sin when we follow Jesus? What does it mean to be cleansed of sin? And, and so something that's so important in, in this is that there's a distinction between sin and temptation. There's a distinction between sin and temptation. Um, Austin, I didn't probably do this. For, explain the difference between sin and temptation. Yeah, this is off script, Wyatt. <clears throat> uh, Get used to it. <laughs> so, so temptation is something that uh, you would be struggling with. So I am tempted right now to eat an entire cake. Like, I think that would be delicious. Are you? Uh, <laughs> my man Mason. Mason could do it. So there, there's temptations. There's things that come into my head. So uh, another, a more real example could be I'm tempted when uh, one of you guys does something that makes me a little bit upset. I might be tempted to go and yell at you and chew you out and tell you that you're stupid. Uh, that, is, that is temptation. Like, that is in my head. Like, I want to do it. But 
I haven't sinned until I actually go do it. Me struggling with the fact that I want to react angrily is a part of my sin nature. Uh, it's a part of the fact that I'm a flawed human. Yep. Um, but having that thought that I'm upset right now versus I'm going to go yell at Mason and make him feel like a horrible person, that's when I've sinned. That's when I've crossed that line. And now uh, I've, I've wronged against him and I've wronged against God. Yep. So where do, where do temptations come from? Thankfully, the Bible addresses this question. Let's put James chapter 1, verses 13 and 14 up on the screen for everybody. Um, so James 1, 13 and 14 says this, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Okay, and this is a passage that applies to each and every one of us in this room. Okay, we all have desires. We all have part of us that that is lured away by things in this world that we shouldn't be lured away from. And, and we're talking about LGBT stuff right now, but this applies to everything, right? Everything Austin just said: gluttony, envy, anger, like all this stuff, right? We all have uh, this heart. That, that is tempted to do things that we should not do. And, and this is why this is a gospel issue. When you submit yourself to Jesus, what you're doing is you're just saying, I'm going to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I'm going to invite uh, the Holy Spirit to come dwell inside me, to give me the power to resist temptation, to live for Jesus. But you do not get cleansed of your temptation when you become a Christian right? You, when you repent, you're not saying, I am no longer going to have these desires to do things that I, do, that I shouldn't do. And if you're a Christian, you know that because you live your life, right? And, that, and we still face temptation. And, and this is such a huge thing because we have to ask the question, does, does homosexuality or just being gay, just having these desires, is it a temptation or is it a sin? I think it's pretty obvious that it's a temptation. And the reason why that's important is because you can be a Christian and still be tempted by the same things you were tempted with when you weren't a Christian. There's no guarantee that it goes away. I wish there was. Um, but rather than it just being me saying that and you taking my word on it, how do we know biblically that temptations don't go away when you're a Christian? Okay, I'll tell you. Um, it's the Bible school answer. It's Jesus. <laughs> it's Jesus, right? Okay, let's, let's read Hebrews 4.15. Let's put that up on the screen. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet was, without, yet was without sin. This is talking about Jesus, okay? We have a high priest. We have somebody who is who's advocating for us, the person who secures our salvation, and he was tempted in every way. Luke 4, the wilderness, he's tempted by Satan, right? So the good news is we're trying to become like Jesus, right? But Jesus himself was tempted. And this is how you know that you don't have to feel guilty because you're tempted, whatever it is. What, certainly it's LGBT stuff, but, but whatever your temptation is, you don't have to confess that as sin. You don't have to apologize for it. You don't have to feel this guilt about it. You don't have to hide it from everybody. I hope nobody knows that you're tempted because being tempted is not sinful. It, it's giving into temptation. It's, it's saying that I believe that this thing that I'm tempted with is going to make me happy more than Jesus is. It's that I need this thing more than I need Jesus, and that's what it is. So... Uh, so when you have this definition of, of what it means to be gay, this temptation, this desire, this attraction, the answer to can you be a gay Christian becomes, I think, somewhat obvious. The answer has to be yes. If the answer is no, then we betray the gospel, and the forgiveness of Jesus is not available to everybody. It's only available to people who aren't gay. And, I, you know, you've lost it at that point. So my answer is simple. Yes. Yeah. So at this point... 
we might be a little bit confused. Uh, that was a lot. Um, so some of us might be a little bit confused. Uh, and, and I know from speaking from my perspective, uh, and I don't know how true this is for you guys, I think it is true for a lot of you. Uh, I was raised being told over and over again, being gay is a choice. Therefore, choosing to be gay, that automatically makes it sin, so you can't be a gay Christian, right? And so that's what I was always taught. So how can someone choose to be gay and still honor Jesus with their life? Yeah. So this raises the next kind of important question that we have to answer. And, uh, and it's this that, you know, we, some people may have told you being gay is a choice. Um, is it possible to be born gay? I think that's like the next big question, and I'm going to put it on you guys again. I want you to answer that question in your head. Is it possible to be born gay? By the way, these are like super unfair questions, you know, and I'm not explaining them at all, but hey, welcome to the world. This is how it goes, right? I mean, this is what you're going to be asked by your friends at school, by your colleagues at work, whatever. Um, is it possible to be born gay? Um, so, once again, I'm going to remind us of the definition we're using for gay, right? To be somebody who has same-sex attractions and desires. So is it possible to be born as somebody who has same-sex attractions and desires? Maybe another way to, answer, to ask this question would be, is, it, is, is there any biology involved whatsoever in our attractions, either for the same sex or for the opposite sex? Like, is there any brain chemicals or something else going on as, as a physical part of your body that influences what you're attracted for? And I would say, yes, it is possible. It is possible that the way you were born, it is possible that, that the way that your body is made up, uh, it forces you in some sense to be attracted to the same sex. Now, hear me, okay? I'm not saying this is always how it is. I'm not saying that there's nothing about environment, there's nothing about choice, there's nothing about what you choose to expose yourself to, that there's nothing about what you choose to, uh, to even feed or deny or any of that. I'm not, I'm not saying anything categorically. All I'm saying is that I believe it is possible that your biological makeup has something to do with what you're attracted to. Um, okay, let's, uh, let's think about this for a second. Um, for some reason, this one's a little bit tougher for us. And again, I don't know how you're feeling about this. Um, we, we pulled 20 students at my house on Wednesday night about this. And uh, what, what did the uh, results come down to on that? Well, initially, of those 20 students, one person said, you can be born gay. 19 said no. We talked about it for a little bit. Wyatt and I said nothing. We just listened, uh, asked more questions. And uh, it, at the end, we flipped and 75% said, yes, you can, 25% still said no. So it's, it's a difficult issue that you guys are wrestling with. It's something that, uh, that you aren't quite solid in, and, and that's fine. Uh, it's something that we're not quite sure of. Uh, and so we're, we're kind of all wrestling through this together. If you're confused, you're not the only one. Yep. But so think through this with me. Um, do our bodies, does our flesh have anything to do with what we're tempted for and the sins that we potentially uh, are, are fighting to not give into? I, if, we, if we just take a step back from the LGBT issue for a second, I think that we would all say yes to that. It's, it's obvious. In fact, when you read the Bible, uh, I think this is, such a, this is such a paradigm that's so obvious that one of the terms, one of the key terms the Bible uses for our sin nature 
for our desires to sin, for, the, for the, the propensity that we have to reject God, the word the Bible uses for that often is flesh. Your flesh. It's shorthand for your sin nature, right? The part of you that wants to sin. When they don't want to say sin nature, when they don't want to get into it, they just say your flesh. And we all go like, oh yeah, this body I have, it doesn't love to worship God. Like, it likes other things. It likes the things of this world. It likes to eat too much, right? It likes to overreact and get angry and yell at somebody, right? It, it likes, and by the way, I mean, if you're heterosexual here, uh, in no sense whatsoever are you off the hook for this, right? I mean, I, like, I'll be honest with you. I, I am somebody, my, my physical body, my brain chemistry, my makeup, I am somebody who is attracted to pornographic, sexually inappropriate images. Sit with that for a second. I know I'm not the only one, okay? My brain chemicals, my chemistry in my brain, for whatever reason, once... My eyes are drawn to things that are inappropriate. I want to see things that I should not see, right? Like, if I could choose to undo that, I would, right? If I could make a choice and say, because I'm going to honor Jesus, I am choosing to only be attracted to, for the rest of my life, my wife, Caitlin, I would do it in a heartbeat. I would, but I can't, right? I, my, my attractions, okay, my my brain chemicals, my desires are outside of my control. I, I cannot choose what I'm tempted by. All I can choose is whether or not I'm going to be faithful in the midst of those temptations, okay? And I, I would imagine that if you're honest with yourself, you would say the same thing, right? That you are attracted to things that you wish you weren't attracted to, that you have desires for things that you wish you didn't have desires for, whether they're sexual or not. Okay, so um, is there anything physical going on there? Is there any chemistry going on in your brain there? I believe that the answer is yes, okay? And I, I brought up the flesh thing. Let's put Galatians 5 on the screen. It's Paul talking. It says, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. In the spirit, what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. Is talking about Christians or non-Christians? It's Christians, right? If you're a follower of Jesus, you have this thing going on where you have this spirit inside of you that longs to, to worship Jesus and to give your life to the Lord and to honor God. At the same time, you live in this body of flesh that desires what is contrary to the spirits. Okay, and then what's the, what's the thing that we're to do with that information? Well, we are not to do whatever we want. Okay? Well, like, the things that your flesh desires that you, that you think would be great, that you long for, Paul says, no, don't do those things, right? You put your flesh to death, you crucify yourself, and you say, I'm going to walk with Jesus even when my flesh doesn't want to. That's the paradigm for all of us here in the room. So, we've been talking in generality, so I want to narrow it down to, to LGBT stuff. So, what this means, can you be born gay? Can you be born with somebody whose flesh desires same-sex relationships, same-sex attractions, whatever that is? Yes. Okay? Absolutely. Uh, that, that is maybe part of what it means to be human for you. Um, and yeah, I, I could go on, but yeah, maybe we should move on. But yeah, so, so now with that in mind, right, all, all these different things about can you be a gay Christian, uh, what, what does it mean, like can you be born gay? So now we kind of have to ask, what does this mean for how we're supposed to treat people that wrestle with LGBT issues? Um, and, and how does their orientation uh, affect my relationship with them? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, okay, well, first off, there is no one-size-fits-all answer to how should I treat LGBT people because 
LGBT people are people. And like all people, they're unique and different, and every relationship is different, and everybody's opinions and struggles and everything is different. So I can't like give you the cookie cutter answer to how to treat LGBT people, but here's where to start. Uh, Jesus teaches us the way to fulfill the law, the way to honor God, is to do two things, to love God with everything that you are, and to love your neighbor as yourself, right? Matthew 22. Um, and so our, our first answer to this question has to be, well, how do we treat LGBT people? We love them, right? Our, our call is to love people, whoever God puts in our life, whether they agree with us or disagree with us, whether they're following Jesus or not following Jesus, our call is to love them. So what does it look like to love LGBT people? Um, that was supposed to be your question. Go ahead. Yeah, I was Re- going to say. Rephrase it. Um, yeah, so we have a responsibility to love people uh, that are LGBT. Uh, I think that's clear, and we shouldn't even have to argue that, really. That's obvious. They're people. Um, but I think there's a couple scenarios that could play out where this looks differently, where how we love them looks differently. Um, so I, kind of scenario one that we can think of. A uh, friend of yours who is a Christian, maybe they're here at church, maybe someone else you know, but they, they are a Christian, and, and they share with you in a conversation that they are gay, that they've only ever experienced same-sex attractions. Um, and, and what they're trying to do, they're, they're sharing this with you, trying to figure out what are they supposed to do with these feelings? What are they supposed to do with that in their life? And how is that going to affect their relationship with Jesus? Uh, and they're asking you, what do I do? What, what do you think I should do? How should I handle this? Um, and so for us, back to our shoes, how would we respond to that? Yeah. Okay, so follower of Jesus, somebody who wants to honor Jesus with their life, uh, says, I'm gay. I, you know, maybe they, they might even say, I wish I wasn't, you know, but I am. And what do I do? What does this mean for my relationship with Jesus? Um, what, how, do, how do you react to that when somebody comes and tells you that? Okay, first things first, let's not, let's not overthink this, right? Let's not overthink this. Uh, we should not be all that surprised when somebody comes up to us and tells us that they're sinners, right? I mean, tells us like, hey, I'm tempted to do things that I shouldn't do. Uh, This is like a super, super normal part of what it means to walk with Jesus, okay? And you love them like you'd love anybody in your small group, any brother or sister. You'd come alongside them. You'd hear them out. You'd you'd show compassion, right? You'd you'd pray with them. You'd love them. You'd treat them like a normal person. I mean, this this is what the church has jacked up so much on this issue. Like, don't be a weirdo, you know? Like, don't (laughs) <laughs> don't, like, when somebody comes up to us for some reason, and it's like this issue, we get into this different mode of like, man, can I still be friends with this person? Like, is it, can we still be in the same small group? You know, can, like, should, can they come to our church stuff? And it's just like, how, why, why do we think that way? It's so weird. Like, if somebody came up to you and, and said any other thing, like, hey, I'm really struggling with, with this sin, you would never respond that way. Like, guys, if, if somebody came up into your small group and was like, hey, I got to confess something, I, man, I've been watching pornography, and I know I shouldn't, and it's a temptation, I need to fight it, I'm not sure how to do it, but I just wanted to tell you because I know that you're a friend of mine, that you love me, that you can help me through this. Guys, would you sit there, would you go, my gosh, can we be friends still, you know? Like, can we, can we be in the same small group? Of course not. You would never think that, you know? Like, girls, if, if somebody was in your small group and came up to you and said, I, I need to confess something to you, uh, man, I have, I have body image issues, I've been struggling with with how much I eat, I've been tempted to, uh, to not eat like I know I should because I have this, this image issue with my body and, I, and I, all this stuff. And, you know, and like, 
you would not have this thought of like, oh my gosh, you're one of them, you know? Like, uh, you would just, this is like such a normal thing. Like, you, we confess sin to each other. We ask for prayer. We ask for help. And so I think the first thing we can say, what does it mean to love someone who's LGBT? Just treat them like a Christian. Treat them like anybody who, who loves you and comes to you and asks for help and pray with them. So, yeah, be normal. Be normal. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so good. And now kind of the next question to follow up that is, so what, how do you love them, right? How do you respond to them and what do you say that is loving to them uh, in that situation? Yeah. So this is the, I think this is the crux of the issue here where I think it's why uh, so many of us have this kind of reaction against the concept that you can be born gay. And it's because we have a serious disagreement with the culture on this issue. The culture is going to say to love somebody, actually we might even have a definition of love up here we can throw on the screen, right? Culturally to love is to accept someone, right? To encourage them to fulfill their desires and to support them in everything they do, right? So when we say how can you love someone who's LGBT, the culture is going to say this is obvious, right? You accept them totally for who they are uh, and, and you encourage them to, f- to fulfill their desires, to live out the life that they have, uh, to, to pursue an LGBT lifestyle, to fulfill every, every desire they have for love and relationship and, and sexuality and all that stuff. Like, this is what it means to love someone. This is the cultural definition. Uh, and, and this is really, I mean, again, like, this is a gospel issue. This, is, this is, comes down to the question of what does it mean to live a fulfilled life? What does it mean to, to have the ideal existence? And basically, culture is going to say the ideal existence, the fulfilled life is one in which your desires are fulfilled. The things that you want to do, you do them. The things that you want to have, you get them, right? The things that that your heart longs for, you pursue them. This is what the culture is going to say it means to be totally satisfied. And, And so to love someone is to encourage them that way. And yet for those of us that are following Jesus and for those of us that that lift the Bible up as the authority of our life, who say that I want to honor Jesus no matter what he says, I want to I do what God wants for me whether I want it for myself or not, we cannot accept that definition of love. Yeah, think back to that Galatians passage that we just had up a minute ago. Uh, remember, what the, oh, there it is, perfect. What, what the flesh desires, your desires, literally that language is contrary to what the Spirit does. We, we don't get to fulfill all of our desires because many of them are sinful, Instead, we have to submit them to God. Right. Paul's advice, don't do whatever you want to do. Like, if you really want it, you probably shouldn't do it, right? And that's, like, not, that's not the cultural definition of love. Okay, so what is the biblical definition of love? There's a lot of different words for love. There's a lot of different ways you could go. Valentine's Day will come along. We'll do this a little bit differently. But for, for our purposes this morning, okay, the biblical definition of love is to put the needs of someone above your own. If you love someone... If you choose to love someone, you're going to say, what's good for you, what's best for you, I'm going to work for that, even if it's not best for me, right? I want what is best for you. Where do we see this definition played out? Well, again, Jesus, right? 1 John 3, 16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives with the brothers and sisters. Okay, Jesus on the cross is our ultimate example of love. Now think about what is Jesus doing when he goes to the cross for you and me? Is he saying to us, you guys are perfect the way you are. Everything you want, just go for it. Fulfill your dreams, right? No. Jesus is saying, 
You are sinful, broken people whose hearts desire things that they should not have, who have thrown away your relationship with God, who have broken your relationship with each other, who have broken this entire world that God created good. And even though that's the case, even though you're an enemy of God, I am laying down my life for you because it's what's best for you. That's love. Okay? So, how do we love a follower of Jesus who struggles with LGBT issues? It's not to say... Hey, this is how God made you. Fulfill it. Pursue it. Live whatever lifestyle you want to. That's not love. Uh, I mean, it, it would feel good in the moment to be able to say that. But the way that we love somebody is we point them to Jesus. We, we sit with them. We pray with them. We cry with them. We struggle with them. But we say, you know, the only thing that's going to make you fulfilled in life is Jesus. The only thing that's going to make you fulfilled is a relationship with God. And sin is going to tear you away from him. Sin is going to separate you from God. Sin is going to destroy you. It's going to eat you from the inside out. I wish that wasn't true, but it is. There's, there's nothing you can do. Sin is going to eat you alive. And so together, you and I, let's walk with Jesus right? Let's, let's resist temptation together. I'm here with you. That's what it means to love somebody who's struggling with this, who's a follower of Jesus. Yeah. By the way, that's the same answer for pretty much any sin situation with someone. That, that's a blanket answer. Uh, yeah. You're going to do life with them, and you're going to love them. Um, okay, so there's a second scenario, last scenario. Um, and, and this kind of has to deal with the fact that, that we, a lot of us are afraid of being considered homophobic in class, uh, in a classroom situation with your friends or with a group of people, right? And we could be put into a situation where we're going to look bad. Like, it just seems inevitable. Um, so let's say maybe you're in class and the topic of gay marriage comes up. Maybe even the teacher calls on you after uh, saying, I think everyone that, believe, that doesn't support gay marriage is a bigot. Austin, what do you think about gay marriage? Literally, like, that is not that far off from what literally has happened to me in a classroom. Uh, so, how are we not supposed to come across as homophobic in that situation? Has anyone had that fear before of, like, being in a public classroom and, and this t topic has come up and you're like, don't call on me, don't? Or, or maybe you're with your group of friends and you're all talking yeah. about it. Or, like, everybody's just talking and laughing as if we all agree that, you know, gay marriage is the best thing ever and people who don't agree with it are terrible and you're just sitting there like, ha, ah, you know. Um, <laughs> So, okay, so what do we do with this? Um, how, how do we deal with this fear of not coming across homophobic? Okay, we're running late. I'm going to boil this down. Um, first thing, don't be homophobic, okay? Like, <laughs> number one, okay? Because just because somebody calls you homophobic does not mean you're being persecuted. It could mean you're homophobic and they're calling you out. They might be right, okay? And, and really, like, think about this. Are you? Like, if, if somebody is outwardly gay, if somebody is expressing themselves very clearly as being somebody who's LGBT, do you avoid that person? Do you try not to talk to them, right? Do you try to, to not talk about conversations that involve that person? Do you try to stay away from them? Uh, that is what it means to be homophobic. Don't do that, right? That is, that is the opposite of how Jesus treated people who were in sin, Right? He went to their homes. He had conversations with them. He was in relationship with them. So step one, don't be homophobic. Yeah, and on that exact same thought, uh, remove the whole it's us versus them mentality. That's not true. Like, it's not us versus them. I mean, it's Jesus versus the world, and the world is all sinful, but there's no, like, special group that's like, yeah, they are the worst. But our and, struggle is not against flesh and blood. Yep. Right? Like, Paul, Paul says to us, hey, our mission is for the lost. It's for the hurting. It's to share the gospel with people who need it. It's not against those people. It's for them. So, okay, remember that. 
and we got to be done. But um, here's, here's the other thing, though. Uh, even in a hostile culture, our job is to represent the truth, okay? Now, our job is not to convince everybody of the ethic of Jesus. Our job is to share the gospel of Jesus with a lost world. But it is not loving to hide the truth from somebody because they hate it. Um, and, and so there's this temptation to just pretend like, you know, I'm, I'm fine with you, whatever you want to do. I, I, you know, you have your opinion, I have mine. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to misrepresent the gospel of Jesus because I don't want people to reject me. That's, that's a real temptation. But that is not love. Again, the question, what does it mean to love somebody? What does it mean to put the needs of other people ahead of themselves? We, we thought of this scenario. If you live to the 1950s, um, the cultural understanding was that smoking cigarettes was actually healthy for you. Okay? I kid you not. Okay? There were brands of cigarettes that were advertised as the cigarette most recommended by doctors. Think about that. Think if you saw like a billboard going home that said, Camel, the cigarette most recommended by doctors, right? And you're like, wow. Okay, so, but that was just like the world. Now, if you knew the truth, if you knew that this is actually harmful, that it's not good, that, that you aren't best off by fulfilling this, would it be loving to keep that, to like, to pretend that you didn't know that, to pretend that, that it actually was fine, you know? Like, no, that's not love. So our, our goal is to represent the truth with love, with grace. Uh, it's not to win any argument. It's to represent Jesus, okay? But here's the, here's the real reason why we're, why we're fearful of this, and I want you to think about this. Why are you fearful of being called homophobic? It's because we don't want to be rejected by other people, right? Because we hate it when when people don't like us, when they reject us, when they treat us as the other. Um, and, and so we don't want to do anything that causes other people to reject us. And, and being called a bigot is like the worst thing that anyone can call you today. I mean, coming out of the civil rights movement, dealing with racism, with sexism, all this stuff, to be called a bigot is like the lowest of the low. And that is what people are going to call you if you if you say what you believe, no matter how graciously, no matter how kindly, no matter how humbly, if you say that you believe that God created man and woman and that he actually intended marriage to be between a man and a woman, they're going to call you a bigot and we hate that, okay? And so this is a real thing where like I could, I could give you all the tips to not be called homophobic, but honestly, you're going to have to come to terms with the fact that people are going to call you homophobic and are you willing to represent Jesus and be accepted by God and be rejected by people? Yeah. I want to read our two passages really fast, and then we'll, we'll close with our final thoughts. Um, John 15 says, this is my command, love each other. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. That's Jesus talking to us. Remember, the world did not accept Jesus with loving open arms. They killed him. We uh, hate that verse. We hate that verse, right? Like, we want, to, we want it to be true, you know, keep in mind that it hated me, but they're going to love you, you know? No, like Jesus says, they hated me, they crucified me. If you follow me, if you do a good job of representing me, they're going to hate you too. Get yep. used to it. This yep. is one of those issues where that you're going to live this out in your life. I promise you. This is going to happen to you. Okay, and here's the thing. We have to decide what we care more about. Do we care more about the acceptance of people or do we care more about the acceptance of God? Jesus addresses this one too. Matthew 10, 32. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Only one can be most important to you. What Jesus thinks of you or what the world thinks of you. And this is going to be an issue that's going to force that out of you. 
So I would, I would encourage you to reflect on this, to reflect on what your heart really desires, reflect on what you're living for. Is it, is it the approval of others or is it the approval of Jesus, even when that means that people reject you? Yeah. All right. Parents Why? are lining up in the hallway. We should probably go. Yeah. Man, Steve actually finished on time. <laughs> Man, I wish it was Brad preaching today. Okay. Um, <laughs> we would have had like 20 more minutes. Uh, this has been a lot, guys. Uh, one last thought, Wyatt. What is the one final bottom line that you want to leave us with on this issue? Yeah. Uh, this is not the most important issue in the world. It's not. Uh, this is not an issue that, that is worth it for you alienating people, rejecting people, isolating yourself from people. Where, wherever you're on, wherever you land on this issue, uh, remember that Jesus, he, he came for the lost. He came for the sick. That includes me. That includes you. Like, have this attitude of love, of sharing the gospel, of sharing the message of hope. The, the gospel is a message of hope. It's not a message of condemnation. It's a message of hope. And, and so just keep this in mind, okay? Our goal is not to win the cultural argument, our goal is not to, to win any argument with anyone. It's to represent Jesus, even if that means being rejected. And the second thing I'd say about this is we've got to remember that, man, we need the Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, Jesus, he, right before he said this thing about who, who accepts or who uh, recognizes him before others, he said, uh, he said this to his disciples. He said, when you are brought before the synagogues, rulers and authorities, do not worry about how you'll defend yourselves or what you'll say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. And, and I would encourage any of you as you head into any conversation about this with anyone, whether they agree with you or they don't, would you keep this in mind that you need the Holy Spirit to work through you or you're toast, right? You could be smart and prepared and you could know your Bible verses and all that stuff. But, but if you're not relying on the Holy Spirit to be the one who's speaking through you, who's sharing the gospel with you, good luck, okay? So, so let's, as a community, remember that. We need God. We need the Spirit. And, uh, and, and if he's going to do anything great through us, if we're going to be able to represent Jesus to this world, we need him. So let's ask for that. Uh, Tom and the band, I'm so sorry. We're going to have to close here and, uh, and send people on their way. But would you guys, let's, let's stand together. Let's pray. And, uh, and we'll send you guys out of here. God, this is a, this is a tough issue for us. And, uh, man, I, I know for a fact that there are people in this room, this is not academic, this is not some, some theory, this is personal, this is their life. And so, Lord, I pray that the message of hope, that, that the gospel of Jesus, that the grace and forgiveness of you would be the most clear thing that was said in this room today, that no matter where you're at, that no matter how far you are from God, that no matter what you think of yourself or what you think of God or, or what you think of the church, that, that there is room for you at the table, that Jesus has died not just for the good. In fact, there are no good. He's died for the sick, for the, for the enemies of God, and, and you, there is no one that is so bad off that Jesus would say no to them. And so I pray that you would give us that message of the gospel to share with this, this community. I pray that you would use us to change our schools, to change our friendships, to change this city. Jesus, we want to see you made great. You're the king. You're the, you're the ruler of us and our lives. And, uh, and so would you use us for your purposes, however that would be. And Lord, help us to honor you with wisdom. In Jesus, we pray. Amen.